Hey, 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 lovely friends. Happy summertime. I hope you are enjoying life and having fun and finding all the adventure uh, with the people you love. It's a bit of a struggle of just balancing work and fun and all those things. And so uh, I just love it and relate to you in that. Today, I am introducing a friend of mine who is the host of the Unbelievable Freedom podcast and author of a workbook series also called Unbelievable Freedom. Her name is Kim Smith, and she's fabulous. She is literally a seeker of all things good. She lives on mission with her grandmother's three words, enjoy your life. She recently published her memoir called in enjoy your life and you can find it and her other works on Amazon. She is so devoted. She's so hardworking and uh, she certainly just gives her all at stepping into joy. She is redefining what enjoy your life looks like and just makes a way for us all to follow her lead. What started as a weight loss transformation, which is significant, has turned into just an entire life overhaul and just this mission of living for freedom. And what I notice most in her pictures is this beautiful countenance of freedom all on her face. So definitely check her out at unbelievablefreedom.com. Anytime I have someone on for an interview, I like to create a safe space with prayer for the person who's sharing. Prayer allows us to shift into a place of giving our story with someone else's healing in mind. And that, with that mindset, with that motivation, it's so much easier to, to give something that's so fragile and so vulnerable because pouring out your story is hard work. So today I am going to include our prayer time uh, in our recording and uh, because Kim's response really allows you to hear her heart and fall in love with her and connect with her. Uh, so today, welcome to the table. You are invited into our personal conversation. That's exactly how this, the whole thing went. It just felt like it flowed and it started with the prayer and just flowed from there. It was beautiful. We both left the conversation changed and full of joy like we had encountered God. I know that I was moved deeply. So we are thrilled you're here. Pull up a chair to our sweet and sacred table and enjoy. Holy Spirit, we love you, Father, we love you, and thank you so much for showing up in every single story, and today I especially thank you for showing up in Kim's story and for covering her and loving her and pursuing her. I thank you for the way you've run after her and called her name and just provided rest and peace in her life, and I just ask that you fill this space right now with rest and with your love. And that every single person who listens would um, just feel that invitation to more for their life and that you would fill their car, their home, their heart with new life and new hope and new peace. And um, I just thank you so much that our story is, is our worship and it's, it's everything that we have to give. And so we lay it down today and we just pour it out um, for your glory. Amen. Amen. I'm weeping already. Uh, <laughs> I have the spirit of weeping. And when I hear truth, it wells up and out of my eyes. And 
everything that you just said is the truth of my story. It's a pursuit, it's an ongoing pursuit. And I still, uh, even in this flow that I'm in right now, still wobble, still stumble, still struggle. But when I put one foot in the struggle rut, that's one of my ways I refer to it. Um, I am just covered and reminded that that is not where I live from anymore. It is, uh, it's a reminder, but it is not my resting place. And I come back into the flow and my book is about the things that I do to re-enter that flow and praise is of course the most important and central one. So um, I just love what you're doing. I like all of us. I'm so busy. I haven't listened to every podcast and done all of the things, but um, it's the truth. And the truth is the truth is the truth. So uh, thanks for that prayer. (laughs) You're welcome. We can't get too much of it. And we all need to be surrounding one another. You know, we, none of us have arrived or um, we make it through so many things and we celebrate those, um, you know, that growth, but we're all, we're still on the journey and we need each other. We need to surround each other. So I love like when I, I I don't know, it's so easy to feel isolated. Like one day I can feel like so much energy and so empowered. And then the next day I feel like lost and I don't know what I'm doing and I feel tired and I, you know, and um, come in together with each other, I think is what allows us to keep moving. Well, it's interesting that you say that because um, I have been in a season of solitude, moving to a new city where I don't know anyone and um, having an empty nest. Uh, My children and my my grandchildren are an hour away. So I've seen them, uh, been blessed to see them pretty frequently with the flexibility of being self-employed. But I spend whole days alone and stretches of days alone, except my husband who's teaches public school and is a pretty introverted guy and comes home and he'll indulge me in conversation if I need that, but doesn't, (laughs) doesn't want to do a lot of chattering. So I've spent um, months now um, mostly talking to God. And uh, it's funny that we met in a business development program because I've been in a lot of programs and groups and masterminds and accountability situations. And um, I really felt, um, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit on Christmas day. Uh, Honestly, just was out in a storm and like a fresh wind blew into my life. And I was, it was revealed to me that we should move and move soon. And that I was going to spend these months in this way. And really uh, since then I have resisted the, I need to get into the next thing. I need to get into the next group. I need the next perspective from the next guru and the next influencer. And I've really just been resting in um, everything that I need to know is, you know, been written down and, um, and is inside me and I have access to it. And I have really looked at my, besides writing the book, uh, my day-to-day practice is just being responsive to the spirit and getting another outpouring and another outpouring and recognizing that that is, I'm never disconnected from that. And so really um, being on your podcast today and a few other small steps forward, feel like coming back into the world. And it's at the time that we're all kind of starting to engage with one another Mm -hmm. more and, and, and things are starting to open back up. But uh, 
I go to a coffee house every day. I, I say I write from home, but I mean, I technically work from home, but I go to a coffee house every day. It's called Selah. And uh, it's really about- uh, What a perfect you know, name. Uh, a, place, a place to pause, a place to think. You know, mm-hmm. that's their, their motto. It's a secular business, but they're saying, you know, come in here because it's a quiet place to pause and think. But this um, last five months has been uh, like a Selah in my life to just really stop and say, okay, I'm 47. My children are grown. I'm a young grandmother. Uh, I've done all kinds of jobs, but I find myself with this business, with this platform, with these books. And what would you have me do next? How can I use everything that I've been given? And like you said, in the most humble way, what I've been given is my life and this story these experiences that I've had and um and it and it ties to my grandmother I'm going to talk about her I always do um because most even though I have had a religious upbringing um most of what has been revealed to me in my life about God's nature and about the abundance of God's love and the accessibility of God's love came from my grandmother and so The book that I just wrote and published is called Enjoy Your Life, Pursuing My Grandmother's Three-Word Legacy. And it's really about how um, my grandmother passed away at 95. So I was about to turn 40 and still had my gram. Uh, She died, as it turned out, whatever God was doing there. You know, she hung around for for a lot of years. Uh, but, But when she exited this life, I was just at the lowest point in mine. And, um, you know, there's a weight part, there's a weight loss, weight gain and loss part of that story that I think is increased. It's a part of my testimony, but it's, it's increasingly just such a small part because really I was so heavy in spirit. Mm-hmm. So at that time that she passed, you know, she was saying the words, enjoy your life frequently as a way of closing our visits, but I was so kind of spiritually um, broken that I had no idea how to do that. Yeah. And it was, it was her passing away that both drove me to want to honor her, to do what she, what she asked, this petition, mm-hmm. this petition she'd made, but also wanted faith to come into the equation that wanted to believe for real that I would see her again, that there is a heaven, that there is a God who's invested in my story. And it's all just been shifting since that time. This fall will be eight years since she passed away. And I've just been on this pursuit of enjoy your life. I pursue it. God pursues me. And here we are. So you said you're 47 and that was eight years ago. Is that 39? <laughs> yeah. I, yep, I was, she, she, she died a few weeks before my 40th birthday. So I'm 38. So about my age, which is kind of funny because I feel like our lives parallel each other so much. Um, and so tell us about your life before that. I mean, where did you spend a lot of time with her or were you, how were you raised and where were you raised? My life was really unremarkable. And it's funny that I 
I basically say in the book, I wrote a book about my life because it was so um, unremarkable. I grew up in the 80s. Um, I had divorced parents, which was a, a wound, a heartbreak, but otherwise uneventful public school childhood, um, Catholic. My mother brought us to mass. Um, she had a falling out with a parish priest when we were teenagers and we stopped going to mass. And I was sort of just a, an agnostic person from there on until um, really, you know, kind of encountering Jesus in a new way after my grandmother's passing. My grandmother was a faithful attender of, of her little community church, which was the second congregational church in South Brewer. She didn't drive a car. She could walk there. She, wow. went there all, she went there all her life and she was a Sunday school teacher and in choir and her faith was just, you know, it's been interesting because um, I've talked publicly about my faith more in the last few months than my grandmother did in her whole life. And, you know, she didn't talk about it. She just lived it. She just, you know, lived her life with her eyes on Jesus and, and it exuded from her and it, it drew people to her. But um, yeah, she was in my life actively all my life. But as I went through my twenties and thirties and I ended up divorced with young children and I, went through numerous career setbacks and I went through a big, big weight gain and I went through my struggles. I didn't seek her out. I, I hid from her and held back from her. I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want her to see my struggle. And it's oh, really, I think that's so common. Like we, it's so frustrating when you can see it in someone else's life. Don't you want to say, don't hide, but it's our, well, it's so indicative of the way that my grandmother stood in for God in my life was I felt I could hide from her and not disappoint her and not burden her or bother her in this. And I felt that way about God too. I felt like I'll just get busy over here trying to figure this out, trying to fix this. I've had lots of talks with people lately about you know, about surrender and about how hard I was trying and how hard I was spinning my wheels and how deeply I was digging into this mire that people really couldn't see. And again, I gained a hundred pounds from high school to, to my late thirties. So people could see it, but I was still smiling and I was still saying I was fine. And oh, I think every, so many of us can relate to that, that exact and, feeling because it doesn't have to be this huge dramatic awful thing, but trauma, like we all cope and strive and try to create this life that we want and we get there the best way we can. And then we get there and we're like, this isn't what I thought I wanted. <laughs> right. Right. And my grandmother saying, enjoy your life. You know, I tell people in she just, that was a practice she picked up in her final years, you know, as she went into her nineties, it was just something she would say. Like, wow. like goodbye, she would say, enjoy your life when she, you know, and, and it landed on my spirit, like a thud for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I had no idea how to do that. Two, <clears throat> I started to perceive her as saying it because we both knew as she was in her nineties, every time I saw her might be the last time I would only see her every couple of weeks, every few weeks, maybe even every couple of months. And so, you know, once she was 92, 93, 94, I'd say, she's telling me to enjoy my life. Cause she doesn't know if she's going to see me again 
on this side of heaven. And, and I was um, panicked to lose her because I really believed from childhood. She, I knew she was special. There's something very special about my grandmother. And I believed it was her presence in the world that made me special. So I didn't want her to pass away. I wasn't sure where, what would happen to her after she died. I was, you know, in a, in a wobbly faith journey that didn't really, didn't really know, didn't really understand. And so her death set off all of these things. One was just me needing to get myself together. Like I was, everything was, was going wrong in my life. My marriage was struggling. My health was struggling. My career was struggling, all that stuff. Also, I had to decide what I was going to do to honor her. And I had all the same still to this day, when I see a bronze plaque on a park bench, I think, oh, I wish I'd had $500 or $1,000 or $5,000 to put her, put a plaque with her name. I wanted to do something for her. Oh and my just, goodness, Kim, and, and, you have. And, and just like you start to realize that the way that you live your life is your offering back to God for all God's done. You you give it back. You know, I wanted to live my life as this legacy for, for my grandmother. I said to her in the dedication in my new book, I am your legacy. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And that's what we all want is just to live a story that can be useful in the future that can be passed down. And she did that and you're doing that and you've honored her so, so well. I think it stands out to me and I wish I could just chew on it for a little bit. You said her presence in the world made me special. It just, it reminds me, I had a Sunday school teacher, Miss Janice, and genuinely, when I think about my first introduction to love, my parents loved me a lot. And so it's a little bit hard to describe but I think of her and it's because she was my first introduction to who Jesus is and she loved me in a different way. It just, it felt so like safe and like home and that kind of love gives identity and that kind of love covers you in a way that nothing else can. And that's what I hear you saying. Yep. I'm going in full ugly cry now. <laughs> that is, that is the truth. I also, in my book, which I intuitively keep speaking about, I'm talk talking about how my grandmother's house, which was an oasis of tranquility for me. I say, I don't expect on this side of heaven to ever feel as safe and held as I felt there. Um, I know you're not from the North, but we have, you know, in the winter, in the winter time, uh, the heat is going constantly. And uh, even in the fall, if it's cold enough, um, my grandparents had what's called forced hot air. So I don't know if this is a heating system you're familiar with. I bet when they built the house, I think it burned coal, but now it burns fuel oil. We burn petroleum fuel here, just like our cars burn to, to run heat. Okay. And, a, and a forced hot air register is like a metal grate in the floor from which hot air blows from the furnace, which is down below ground. We have basement underground. Furnace blows hot air. And so you can stand on this hot air grate with it just billowing up under <laughs> you 
just yeah. making your night, making your nightgown and your hair. And I said, well, I can remember being five years old and standing on the, we didn't have forced hot air at my house. We had radiators, but standing on the hot air and feeling all this abundant heat and feeling this, this glow of warmth and my grandmother's nearness. And just, I can still feel that sense of that I would never be disconnected from that safety, that love. That's what she represented as I then went, you know, back to be raised by my parents who loved me and did the best they could. Uh, Just the fact that she was in the world and knowing she was there grounded me. And so she stood in for God. She was like God for me. I just recently heard Maya Angelou talk about her grandmother, how she thought her grandmother was God. Her grandmother raised her actually. And uh, the reason I got so tearful when you were just speaking about the nature of love is um, Maya Angelou talked about how her grandmother would tell her, even though she was mute as a child and didn't speak, her grandmother believed she was going to speak and teach and do great things, which she did. Uh And she says at the end of that, you know, only love could, could have liberated her the way it did love liberates. And this is where freedom comes from is, you know, from, from love. That's, that's perfectly pure in that way. And people who have it can give it. This is like your Sunday school teacher, my grandmother, she was like just this well of loving acceptance where you could, where all of you was welcome. And I could have certainly, as I was struggling in my young adult life, accessed her differently. But again, like I had to go through those trials Mm -hmm. and the way that she departed and left me three words, not go to (laughs) church, not read your Bible. She said, enjoy your life. And I had to figure out how to do that for her. And I have, and it's brought me so much peace and joy and freedom beyond anything that I wanted. I just wanted to get my weight under control. I just wanted to get a career that I felt like I could give in an elevator pitch. I just wanted these things of the world. But with three words, she gave me access to eternal freedom to, to truth that I do. I mean, I weep every day just for the joy of my own restoration and knowing this is what God does and he did it for me and he can do it for you. And I can only carry this little, little torch, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I access people by talking about my grandmother. Cause there's some people who aren't ready to have a conversation about God, but they had a grandmother or miss Janice or somebody. Yeah. And it's right there for them. I think that one of the reasons I cling to telling your story and, you know, my, I'm all about having the fun too, is because in those two things is where we find Jesus. Because when you tell your story and you find God in your grandmother, you find him in that heat blowing and keeping you warm That's how we know who he is. Those are the things that make him tangible. And if we never go back into our story and tell it, then we won't find him. We won't think he was there, but he was there and he was pursuing you and covering you and preparing you for this. And I think it's so important that we take the time to 
investigate and and write out our life because that's how we find them. Well, and for me, it's like um, in the moment that my grandmother died and I actually revisit that relative moment in time, those weeks a lot, I was both thinking, how can I write a book for my grandmother? And knowing intuitively, like spirit coming into me to, to nudge me and say, you have to live it first. Like, yeah, this was not a, Hey, if I lose the weight and do this, this, and this, that will make a great story. This was me in a, in a very organic pursuit of enjoying life. And yet now I can see that urge to, um, that urge to honor her, that urge to, you know, live in a way that was worthy of her is what drove all of this. Because I, I have a belief <laughs> that freedom, and by freedom, I mean this pure kind of life enjoyment, free from fear, fear from, from scarcity of lack of love, of lack of acceptance, living in this freedom, I believe is all anybody really wants. And everybody is struggling and striving and pursuing status and power and money and pursuing all these things of this world when all they want is freedom and it's as close as their breath. <laughs> and so I yeah, use my- it literally <laughs> is their breath. <laughs> and, and I use this, this uh, storytelling. And, and I think where we are- intersecting is, you know, you have, you have just such a beautiful, beautiful energy. It's so, you know, this is what happens when you see light in someone else. It's like reflecting back and forth between us, but you're drawing these stories out with what you're doing. And I'm saying, I not only want these stories, but for some people, if they feel called to it, if it's a message they believe should be in writing is you can put it in a book not everyone needs to write a book, but you can put your story in a book. And here's the only reason why books are different for me than if I were on a circuit telling this story every day, because I know people who hear this are going to believe me in a different way because I'm speaking it than if they were reading the book. But here's why I'm hooked on books. They are portable in a way that God can move them around like dandelion seeds and, and yeah, podcasts can get in front of people in, in really cool ways. I'm amazed by the way podcasts and books and songs get in front of me. It's like Holy Spirit algorithms, but, <laughs> but, 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 but books, because they are a thing, oh, you're you know, right. because they're, because they're a thing that can like, you know, be on a table and be um, left on a, I, I just, absolutely I'm enchanted with the idea that you can participate with the Holy Spirit through putting your story in a book because it can be it can fall out of someone's bag on a bus it can it can get left on a park bench it can be in a box at a yard sale your book is your story made tangible made you know so <laughs> God tell you so, to say that to me <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, Kim. I'm yeah, trying. Yeah. But there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. This <laughs> book that I just did was eight, eight years in the, in the making and in some ways my whole life in the making. So that's right. I like to work fast, but I don't like to 
um, the pressure that comes into any book project comes from me, not from God. God is not in a hurry. God knows this is all worked out already. It's already (laughs) finished. And, uh, and God wants, see, this is what is so exciting for me about unbelievable freedom as a platform is I have a big vision for it. God has a big vision for it. And yet I genuinely believe in my heart that it's just as important to God to purify me and refine me and do his work in me as for this business to do whatever it's supposed to do, even though that seems flashier, like the investment that I feel from God in, in me, it's just like my grandmother. It's like, there's nothing my grandmother wouldn't have done for me. She was so delighted by me. She was so uh, enchanted by my very existence. And this is the thing that's so very um, emotional for me, but also exciting about being a grandmother right now. Cause I loved raising my kids. They were, they are the best thing I did, but as a grandmother, I really feel like I have like a calling to be delighted by this boy to just for him to just look at me. And because of me to know, wow, I'm a big deal. I'm super, (laughs) I'm super special. Like this grandmother thing is just, just a trip in that way. And, and you are as a grandmother freed up from some of the work of raising the child and, and, and thrust into the delight of, of, of just being, um, in awe of the wonder that they are. (laughs) And, and so for me, I've been a grandmother for three and a half months. He's three and a half months old. And it's been this past year since I learned he was on the way. It has just, people will say, Oh, just crack your heart open. It's like, for me, it's just been such a spiritual thing to say, God is so involved in all of our lives. And my kids are like, call them pre-believers because my own childhood experience with religion caused me to really kind of shelter them from all things religion. And, you know, they know the story of Jesus and they definitely know what Jesus has been doing in mom's life. Um, But just the stuff that's happened with my grandson has really, like God is just revealing himself to them through these little miracles. And it's just, it's really wild. It's really, it's really wild that this is what life really is and to live in it, but then to just exist in the world with so many people who just don't see it yet. They don't, they're not awake yet. They don't know. And just to love those people anyway, and just to trust what God's doing in them and the way that, that he's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, there's some beauty and I say this carefully, but there's, there's definitely beauty to be seen in the way people who were not raised just in such a strict Christian or religious lifestyle, the way Jesus introduces himself to them organically is captivating to me. And I mean, obviously, I don't know if you can hear yourself, but you are doing exactly what your grandmother did for them. Just living your life, pursuing your dream and enjoying creation. That's all God asks of us anyway, right? It's everything. And so there's so much power in God. He's so much bigger than church or 
rules or religion and he can handle this. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's definitely a new thing for me to learn. <laughs> this is the testimony um, for me is to just, I, I say about my book, I don't know if it's long enough. I don't know if it, I definitely don't think it's um, theologically or scripturally sound like a Christian book is supposed to be. It's just the truth as it's been revealed to me. And I'm only in this past year, really digging into the Bible, even though I was raised going to Sunday school, like I didn't have a fresh um, pair of eyes to even look at some of these things with. But the beauty is my, my experience isn't less valid or more valid than anyone's. Everybody's on this, on this journey and it's like you said, it's just, it's, it's, it's captivating to see it happen and to watch the people. I want, I use the words further along, you know, who, who have been <laughs> engaged in this longer than I have watching me and watching their excitement and captivation for what God's doing in me. Because once you see it, you can't not see it. He's yeah. in everything and you see his hand everywhere and when you live from that there's every resource is renewable every i am so obsessed with restoration i'm buildings like this th- broken things that have been brought back to life and breathe had life breathed back into them and that's really i i talk in my book about turning away from a lot of self-help and self-improvement isms and and turning yeah. away from a lot of new agey things, not because I'm ready to condemn them as wrong, but because for me, they were just such shiny distractions from just the truth that you want to make all of these plans for your life and all these plans to try to be better and struggle and strive. And it's like, God can do it in an instant. He can, and he will. And I know the only way it's, yeah, the only way it actually matters, the only way it actually does anything is when you know it is in your, like you said, as close as your breath is when you find it in your own life, in your own story, in your own heart. Otherwise it's just what knowledge, I don't know, distraction Mm -hmm. and it's false. And so when you find your own creativity and your own message and your own voice, that's God in you, then it has power to change and shine. And that's what magnetizes people to you. Otherwise it's just rules and it's stressful and it creates striving and shame and guilt. And, and my weight loss story is its own story within a story because I spent my life wanting to be special, wanting someone besides my grandmother to see that I was special mm-hmm. and, and, struggling and, and succeeding and failing, you know, having some positive academic experiences and stuff. Yeah. Give us a background, like tell us exactly what you did. And it's a big deal. I know you don't cling to it anymore, but with my weight loss. Yeah. That you read, that's kind of how you started your platform. And yeah, I, well, I mean, I was from the time I started pursuing enjoy your life, I started making a lot of changes and I started to, um, I started to pursue God back, you know, just started to do things, go to church, listen to praise music, do devotionals and, and 
and really just experiment with what it would be like to point out what I thought God was doing in me and in other people and see how people reacted. And a lot of people will say to me, I remember when you started talking about God. I remember you went through a phase where you only said the universe because, you know, you were feeling really new agey and, um, <laughs> you know, people, people have been watching. We all are watching each other. And, right. and, uh, and as part of trying to enjoy life and make, I made a big change. I, I got a job as a medical scribe, which was a really my one foray into working in healthcare, which is another overlap that we have. Um, I started working for a surgeon who was a man of faith, but also uh, stands out in my mind as somebody who, who approached their daily work as kingdom of heaven work on the earth, mm -hmm. that he would pray and surrender every day to, I'm going to cut into these people and cut cancer out of them and how much it affected me to realize that he's just a person, but with God, he does these amazing things and heals people and comforts people and preserves dignity. And, and that job really opened me up spiritually and also made me aware that, oh, just because you're enjoying life doesn't mean you're not going to have health consequences if you don't get these 80 pounds off your joints. And so that's when I started losing the weight and, and there was fits and starts and different diets, but mostly with it involved intermittent fasting, which in and of itself had a spiritual surrender component, but I wasn't, I'm, I want to be very clear. It was not that I was fasting for the Lord every day and took the weight off. Like I was driven in the fasting by changing my physical body. Um, and then God started showing up in some of those quiet and empty spaces too. Hmm. Uh, and my, my husband and I ultimately lost 200 pounds, all of which we had gained in a decade of marriage. My husband has a really complicated weight story that's even more involved than my own. Um, and what happened was we started putting our photos out there and people were like, oh my goodness, not only are you half your size, but you look like you've lost 10 years, 15 years. You look so young. You look so healthy. You look so vibrant. You look so good. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And I was like, maybe we should write a book. Maybe we should write a book about it. You know, I was in a real um, place of what do we have to lose? So we put the book out um, in mid-October of 2018. And between mid-October, whatever date the book came out, and the end of October, we sold like 900 copies. And we were visible in Facebook groups and communities. And we had a lot of support already around us. It wasn't that we were coming out of nowhere. But that was still like an amazing thing. Yeah. And then we went on, went on to sell thousands more books. And that's really where, this, where Unbelievable Freedom began. Um, Unbelievable Freedom at the time that I put it on my weight loss story was not about the freedom of finding a, a, a healthier relationship with food. It was about what God had done in me to bring me freedom, but I just wasn't ready to say that. I thought that's going to scare people away. Who am I to talk about God? What do I know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I didn't say it quite that way. I mean, there's like a little tiny section in unbelievable freedom on one page that talks about how I pray every day and I pray every hour, which is true. Um, but I didn't want to come out there. And a lot of it was because I didn't want people to say to me, oh, I didn't know you were religious, which people say to me all the time, or, oh, I didn't know you were <laughs> a Christian. What church do you go to? And I, I'm unchurched right now. Um, and so it really was just God working in me to let go of the fear of other people's criticism and other people's need to try to put me in the box that, of course, mm -hmm. I was trying to put God into all that time, into a box that he busted on out of. <laughs> and, uh, 
And so, yeah, it, I have a platform that grew really big, really fast. And then when I didn't continue showing up as a weight loss influencer or coach, people lost interest and wandered away. And then I started talking about the controversial name of Jesus and more people <laughs> walked away. And now I got a tiny little platform. Um, and I, but it's sacred. It's sacred and it's the truth. And I show up as myself and that in and of itself is such a, such a freedom that you'll only ever know if you take the risk to do it. If you've lived with a series of personas, none of which were really you. Yeah. Your whole life. Preach girl. And if you have shown up as the person that I am in the before aspect, I still share my weight loss photos. Occasionally there's a couple of them kicking around. They're on Google images and there is a couple associated with my website. But the reason I am enchanted by my weight loss photos is not because I'm slimmer now because that scarcely matters to me. But because when I look at my before pictures, I see the heaviness of spirit. I know that that person is desperately wanting to be free, not of the weight, but the weight part of the story does compel people because so many people, so many people who are carrying the weight think that when the weight is gone, they're going to be free and they won't be if they don't have real freedom. It's just, it becomes another false idol to like worship at the altar of your new body and maintaining it. And, and I'm all for people being healthy. And I'm so supportive of many, many, many friends who are health coaches and helping people with their weight and, and their health. It's important. But for me, I went right into another trap with the weight loss influencer thing. My number one false idol that I've worshiped in my life is resentment and bitterness, feeling disappointed that I didn't get what other people got, that I didn't get invited into the club of other people I perceived to be happy and successful. And that one still wants, that dark thing still wants my worship and will pull at me I'm sure as long as I'm still on the earth but the role that I willingly stepped into of I know all about weight loss come follow me for tips and tricks became its own trap of resentment because that wasn't what I wanted to say I was just pretending to be something that I wasn't I was pretending to be interested in a conversation I wasn't I wanted to say what I'm saying right now and and (laughs) and I so I had put myself in a spot where every day I thought, I hate this, I have to be something fake, but I chose it because the thing, the darkness in my spirit and in my mind wants that to be fueled by that resentment and creates that trap in new forms over again. And so what has happened to me in the last three years since Unbelievable Freedom, but especially over the last year, is a genuine laying down of this resentment and saying, God, this is not of you. You didn't create this. You didn't create me for this. So take it away. I'll surrender it again tomorrow, like taking a shower every day. Here's my resentment. It's not of you. Take it away. And then I enjoy my life for 23 and a half hours. And I'm mostly in a state of bliss and and really encountering every struggle without resistance and flowing through it. And then I just surrender it again because I know it wants, it, it pursues me. It, 
resentment is my default, but I see it for what it is, which is part of my old sin nature that I have, you know, Jesus didn't die for me to sit around feeling resentful about what anybody else has. The end. Yeah, it's such a vicious cycle. I mean, you are not alone in that. And if everybody was honest about that, that is, I mean, a hundred percent what we're all circling around and around and around through is we have this clarity of mind. And if we allow ourselves to get quiet and find a space to declutter, whether it's when, I mean, we can talk about physical weight, but the clutter of the mind, the clutter of the schedule, all of these things that are distracting us and keeping us. And those, those things allow the enemy to build up all of these cases against us and against others. And we compare and we seek perfection. I mean, it's just this awful trap, but it's those little moments of clarity of boldness in the Lord in the presence and his presence where we feel free. And if we so I have, <clears throat> step I have in a- that direction, I think we'll find what we're looking for. I have a friend who is a, a spiritual mentor. Her name is Jen. She's been a friend since childhood. She's been sort of a, she's on her own faith journey, but for me, she's been a role model of someone more open about our faith. And uh, she's very big on spiritual warfare and she's very big on um, praying in agreement with others. And it's made me tune into this idea that um, by praying in agreement with somebody else, you know, we come into agreement with God, you know, because we're with this, we are creating this synergy um, with other people that are all asking the same thing of God. Well, in the same way, we come into agreement with the enemy when we give in to these resentful feelings, these negative toxic thoughts, we are coming into agreement with him. And, uh, and nobody wants to do that. They're not yeah. really consciously doing that. And so I really say, when I'm struggling, I come out of agreement with this struggle. I'm, I, I do not receive it. And uh, it really interrupts. It really interrupts it for me and brings peace back in. You know, I follow Graham Cook and he's, um, he's not really a minister, but he's a, he's a Jesus follower and an influencer. And he is, um, very much about the idea that if you have received Jesus, you are in a covenant of peace with him. You have received his peace and you have to honor that. And so doing things, you know, it's just, I mean, I do still occasionally bite a fingernail, but you know, biting your fingernails is just a habit and coming into agreement and with the enemy and out of agreement with Jesus also just a bad habit to be broken. So we practice and practice and practice and practice. And that's been the biggest, if somebody said to me, what have you been doing since you moved in January? I've been practicing coming out of agreement with darkness, with negativity and coming into agreement with peace because it's, it never went anywhere. It's just like your breath. It's always right there, always right there to return to even in the midst of turmoil. And, and I, I need that. And I'm, I'm really about um, figuring out how to structure the business and my life to have a context 
for this kind of continual Holy Spirit responsiveness that I've been living in because it is, I mean, on this side of heaven, it is the closest thing. It's. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Well, um, so what does enjoy your life look like to you? What does that mean for you? How did you take action in that? Well, I've structured the book in a kind of reverse engineering way. And I still uh, use these points um, of, of grounding my enjoy your life flow. So I start in the book with talking about permission. You had to give yourself permission or accept permission from somewhere. But for me, it came from my grandmother first, but now I give myself permission to enjoy life. Um, you have to have this pot belief in possibility. Like I didn't believe enjoying life was possible. I thought it was for other people. I thought I had a curse on my head. So you have to believe in the possibility of enjoying life. You have to participate in it. So that's, you know, this is what I'm doing with my work. That's why I'm on your podcast. I hope one person who hears this feels stirred to do something mm-hmm. because I, you had to be in participation with, with this. I was such a, one to hang back and not take any kind of action. And so now I really just stay in, in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, praise, praise is, praise is my hobby, my lifestyle, my <laughs> antidote for, for everything. So I spend a lot of time in nature, in movement, in song and, and, uh, honestly, you know, I, I, build in it's nothing to do with um self-care in a in a shallow way but i do a lot of things that make me uh feel reminded uh so i i spend a lot of time outdoors i spend a lot of time in spaces that inspire me i go to coffee houses i like to be in around books i like to be around people who are reading writing i really love yeah. good espresso. God made that too. That's, that's the most, <laughs> coffee is the most beautiful thing in my life because it's uh, of the world, but also God made it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So for every person, it's just going to be um, stepping towards what brings them life. And it, it's about cultivating this awareness that God is for you. And God wants to work through you. And it's, and the work doesn't have to be grueling, but you know, you when I'm with my grandson, that's God's work. That's God's work to, for me to show up and stand nice. in for God, but it's a lot of fun. It's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's really for me, enjoy your life is being aware that there's a divine purpose for your life and that you're invited. I like invitation. I love the energy. I love you said that at the beginning that we're always invited to, to take another step deeper into it. And, Mm -hmm. and eventually I hope I get better and better at not wanting to turn back because fear still comes over me and makes me want to go back to my old miserable life. But I work through that and, and I stay in the flow. Mm. That's so good, Kim. 
That's so good. And how has um, just marriage been and with your husband? I know you guys started this together and yeah, you know, that's been interesting. He's doing great. He loves living closer to work. That's why we moved. Um, You know, this radical intensifying of my spiritual life and the way that it manifests and the way that I talk and the things that I say has been a lot for him. He's on his own faith journey. Um, Sometimes he's just not sure. I mean, like, I'm not kidding you when I say I have the spirit of weeping. Like a lot of times I'm just like inexplicably weeping for joy. And that's just weird for people. They're just like, (laughs) where's this coming from? Because it's not, even people who believe it doesn't always manifest as so. I consider my faith to be very, palpable and like pulsing and alive and and kind of messy and it's overwhelming to um some people who are in a different place in their walk and I try to just like in this conversation I've been trying not to like (laughs) you know I try to keep it keep it together and not um make anyone uncomfortable on purpose but uh he's he's very supportive of um, you know, in, in, in my most emotionally heightened state, I might say, you know, do you want this not to be happening for me? This, this spiritual, um, expansion. And he'll always say, no, of course not. I want all, Mm -hmm. all good things for you. And I want you to have everything that, you know, Mm -hmm. he's always been, um, you know, besides my grandmother, he is the person who has always said, you know, I see how special you are. I I see you and all of you is welcome here. And that is a really, that's a, that language is all over the place in our world right now, as it should be. And it's, it's language that I'm really adopting as a grandmother, because my grandmother never said those words. There's so many things my grandmother never said that I still got, but I actually am using those words. Yeah. My not, my nine-year-old grand girl was upset about something when they got here and she had tears and she didn't want to get out of the car and come in. You know, they're just getting to know me. It's only been this past mm-hmm. year. And I said to her, you can come in and be sad. Being sad's allowed at Kiki's. <laughs> All of you is welcome, welcome here. here. <laughs> oh, Kim, you're given such life. That's so good. That's so good. Do you have... Um, well, do you know your Enneagram number? I don't. And this is something that, that we probably should talk more about at some point. <laughs> I have, I have at times I've, I've been a surface skim. I am a dabbler in all things except Jesus. Um, and I've done a surface skim. And at one point I was really sure that I must be a four, but then I started really like being attracted towards seven and I've never really taken a quiz or Yeah. Gotcha. I love to talk about it. So I was just curious, different things you say. I'm like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm interested you. in it. I'm interested in it through a, a more Christian lens because I feel like some of the other, I like, I got in a real dabble with human design and it was all about, you know, the neutrinos that entered the universe when I came into the world. And I was like, well, God put me into the world and he knew what he was doing. <laughs> doing so I call have it what you will. My- actually have that quiz on my to-do list to find out my human designs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had some ladies who helped me with it and I appreciate, 
all of it as, as fodder for my journey. And one of the things that really was validating about it was this idea that I have an open will center. And I've always felt like I can come into a conversation with so much conviction, but if you, if your energy is really powerful, like we're aligned in this conversation, but if you were trying to convince me why I shouldn't believe in Jesus, like it's very hard for me to maintain my energy in the face of an opposing force, because I tend to just soak up whatever anybody's got going on. And I could be this and I could be that. And I could, you know, that's been part of my um, struggle is always being distracted by a shiny thing and always thinking someone else knows better and someone else has it figured out. And it's really been in the last few years that God has said, just look to me, we've got this other people's I'm doing other things with other people and you don't need to know why just love them and put your eyes back here. Yeah. And that, and doing that has, has really helped me, but I don't think it's, I don't think any kind of, you know, another thing I referenced in my book was astrology. I have some friends who like make their decisions based on the planets. And I'm just have come to a place of, if you think that's fun, it's great for fun, but God reigns above the whole universe, including the stars and planets. So I'm still just going to go straight to God for what to do. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make your travel plans based on Mercury going into retrograde, I don't, I'm not condemning it, but it's just not how I pray. And it's not how I am guided in this life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite life verse? So many, but uh, <laughs> the, the one that I put in um, the front of the book is second Corinthians three seventeen, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Perfect. It's, it's, as true as I read a devotional that said, um, as soon as you have the awareness of God's presence, you're free. And it's as close as your breath. So freedom is, is what I breathe. It's, it's, I know at some point in my travels, having gotten a federal trademark on this brand, Unbelievable Freedom, I own it. Literally, you can't put it on a book. I own it in the ways of the world. It belongs to God. But somebody is going to really drill me on what freedom means because freedom as a word has been so co-opted to be about um, patriotism and the freedom that we have in this country and financial freedom. And it's been really associated with power and wealth. But I resonate more with freedom when you know when you hear about like folks who survived in the concentration camps who say they still felt free on the inside because their spirit and their mind could not be conquered by the circumstances and what was being done to their flesh that is freedom and we all can choose that freedom when we know that we're surrendered to god's will and that this world is just a brief you know, and so that's where, that's where I come down with freedom and the unbelievable part of it came from the way people responded to our weight loss photos, but it's really been about now about the fact that I've had to surrender unbelief, you know, the part of me that was afraid to believe didn't believe. And now that I've surrendered that fear, the unbelievable is believable. And I believe in unbelievable freedom. It may seem unbelievable, but I believe in it. And, uh, that's really all I've, I've got. I have, just like my grandmother, I have no worldly acclaim. I'm just a person, I'm just a grandmother. 
Um, but I know that you can do, you can do so much in other people's lives by just loving them and letting them uh, be who they are and having that blessed assurance that you live from, it, it, it rubs off on people. It, it spills out onto them. Like she just didn't have any agenda. First of all, she would have thought that you were so delightful. Like, I feel like it makes her head would blow up because she just, she loved people so much. It's so fascinated by people. You'd feel, you would have felt like a superstar in five minutes talking to her. She just loved people, but she also had no agenda for them. Like you didn't need to show up and make her feel good or make her feel special or praise her. Or she, she was just, she had total assurance that this was, this life was nothing to do, but enjoy, be delighted by people, love people and go to heaven when the time comes. And when her time came, I know that she knew I was struggling but she also knew God had me and yes. she didn't have to fix it. And she could go and leave me with three words that would transform me in every possible way. I am unrecognizable to, to myself and to others. And only a small part of that has to do with anything physical. It's the most powerful story. We need to all go get your book. Enjoy your <laughs> life. <laughs> So good, Kim. Every word out of your mouth is gold and life-giving. So thank you for sharing so bravely. Thank you so much.